Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a very obviously sombre terrace podcast. Um, as I'm joined, my name is Graham Phyllis, and today I'm joined by Sean McGregor. Hello there. Um, where we will uh, pick through the bones um, and the bits and pieces that are left of Scotland's uh, Euro 2020 campaign in Euro 2021. Well, obviously, I mean, I, I don't know why I'm explaining this as if you've been living under a rock that Scotland were defeated 3 1 by Croatia last night. And we're out. So after doing all the tournament maths of figuring out, right, we need this and we need that. I mean, then we need this. As it turns out, we just didn't win a game. Um, so that kind of fucked us broadly. Um, sure. I miss those heady days of cheering on, like, Denmark. <laughs> like, we just need Denmark to win that. And we just need Belgium to win that. Like, I'm, I really miss those those times. Yeah. When Denmark's centre-half strode forward and lashed one in from 40 yards, I, I just briefly, once again, thought, fuck it, we could win it. Um, <laughs> well, if we win the Mora after that goal, then that's, that'll be brilliant. We can look back at that as the moment that everything began to turn in our favour. Um, turns out that didn't happen. But nonetheless, we, we're here once again. Um <laughs> We've been eliminated from the, the group stages and uh, we scored one goal. Well, we scored two goals, sorry, and we got one point. So is that a success? Uh, no. No, I, I, I'm at a low ebb. And as much as, I mean, I, I struggle to be nuanced at the best of times, even more so when I've watched an important Scotland game drunk and then try and talk about it with a hangover. Uh, what I would say is, I suppose especially when you're one of the smaller nations or one of the weaker nations at a tournament, you need you, you need certain things. So you, you probably need to be clinical. You, you need to take your chances when they come along. And we didn't do that. You need you need 
a wee bit of luck. All teams do, but especially the smaller teams. I don't really feel we got that, and I, I, I don't think that was a, a massive facet necessarily because it, you always need luck. But in terms of Tierney's injury, in terms of Ryan Jack's injury, which probably had an even bigger effect than, than we maybe thought at the time, in terms of Gilmer, uh, COVID before that last game, I didn't really feel like we got much luck. Uh, I think we need a smaller team needs to punch above their weight performance wise. I didn't really think we'd done that either. Yes, at Wembley we probably did, but I feel we let ourselves down in the games that that kind of bookended Wembley, and we probably need to tactically get a lot more right than we get wrong. And I don't think we've done that either. Uh, I, I think. Going into the Czech game, you looked at that team and you thought, I'm not so sure about that. What I would say in Steve Clark's defence last night is that it looked like he got it wrong in hindsight. So when I seen the team, I thought, right, fair enough. I, I would have left the defence as it was. You maybe would have started Fleck as he might be the kind of most like for like replacement like going, but I was fine with Armstrong. But I ultimately, it, it, it didn't work. And I suppose the concern is that we seem to be inflexible so I think we all would have, we all would have went 3-5-2 but and, and 3-5-2 seemed to be the this is how we squeeze in Robertson and, and Tierney and that's absolutely fine and, and none of us would have none of us would have uh, asked for a different formation beforehand I don't think but we now we now seem to stick with it even when it doesn't seem to be working like we haven't won that many games playing with a, a 3-5-2 and Clark doesn't seem to want to change it even when it isn't working during a game, so, so so that's that's my biggest concern after last night's match. We seem we seem very inflexible. I'd agree with that as well, and you could see as the game was going on, <clears throat> particularly the Croatians. More than anything else, even just looking at the the names on the bit of paper that are sitting in front of you, you look at their three midfielders in Kovacic, Brozovic, and Modric, and you look at it and go. If we give the ball away, it's going to be a long time before we get the ball back, regardless of what happens. And that's very much how it plays out. And I, I, I fully agree with you on the Jack injury as well and Gilmer missing as well. The third sort of prong to that is losing McTominay into central defence as well, which again, I understand we kind of have to do that. Hendry is either isn't ready or isn't quite right for it. I think he, I think we will return to Jack Hendry. I think Hendry feels like one of the Scotland internationals that will go through bits and pieces of form and we'll come back in and we'll go back out and come back in and go back out over the next 10 years. I don't think there's anything wrong with that particularly either. And you see why, there, I'd always been a bit lost as to why we we, we went with McTominay in defence. And then you see him carry, it was particularly in the England game more than anything else, but he carried, him carrying the ball 30, 40 yards at a time and dragging us up the pitch, the same as Tierney does on the other side. There isn't another set of half that can do that. And that's fine, that's okay. The, the, the way the system is, is, is set up to do that. The problem was with the with how we were set up in midfield last night was that either by design or by, by the sort of natural instinct of the players involved, having Armstrong and McGinn either side of McGregor in central midfield, Armstrong's drifting left and pushing up, McGinn's pushing right and pushing up, or drifting right and pushing up. And again, that, that worked very well in the England game, but it worked very well because we had Billy Gilmer in there as well. And Callum McGregor, Kind of flat. I always feel like kind of flatters to deceive in a Scotland shot, and it's hard, unfair to say that. Perhaps given he was one of our best performers last night, I thought, but he's a much, much better player with Billy Gilmer playing beside him or behind him, yeah. one way or the other. And without Ryan Jack, without Gilmer, and with McTominay in defence, because he kind of has to be, 
I thought McGregor throughout the game was just really exposed and that comes back to what you're saying tactically as well. He was, there was points where it felt like he was one against three in there and it wasn't just one against three, it was one against one exceptionally good player, one of the best midfielders in the world over the past 10 years and Kovacic and Brozovic are also two very, very fine players as well. And it was asking him to cover an awful lot of ground. You're asking Tierney or McTominay to step out and do that, which takes a lot of bravery, but it's only space wide for Vlasic and Perisic in behind. It just didn't feel right. And I, I agree with you tactically. In this game, it wasn't the right thing to do. By the same token, the number of times over the past 10 years we've looked at it and got we've looked at Scotland teams that have changed dramatically for an opposition and gone, well, why don't we play our game? We tried to play our game and for that there is a degree of respect in that as well. I feel that across all the game, well, across the first game and the last game, I just don't feel the team selection was right. Um, as I said, in, in terms of how it was set up uh, tactically, Armstrong wasn't the body in there. Whether the other one was Fleck, whether the other one was Turnbull, it needed somebody to be beside McGregor rather than wide left or wider right of them. There needed, more, there needed to be more bodies in that midfield to put more pressure on them. And that's ultimately when Modric scored is because Armstrong doesn't have that natural instinct of a central midfielder to be closing down the player rather than pleasant closing down the ball. He was drawn to the ball because, of course he was, because that's inevitable. Um, and that was, that was the frustration there with that more than anything else. I thought, I thought this was the game... Even even more than the Czech game where our deficiencies were like kind of laid bare and exposed. So as much as I like Shea Adams, as much as I like Lyndon Dykes, incidentally, we don't have we don't have a goal scorer. I think Adams is our best forward by a mile, but even he doesn't score a barrel load of goals in, in, in the English Premiership. Maybe if he was playing for a better team, maybe he would do. I, I, I don't know. But he's still our best forward without necessarily being a natural goal scorer, whatever that expression means. Yeah. That was exposed last night. Uh, the fact that we didn't really have, like, do we have a defensive midfielder? We certainly didn't have any last night. And that, no. that that worked against us. And then at the back, we, I suppose we badly missed. Like, a, like once Grant Hanley went off, who was obviously an absolute colossus, <laughs> we are, we're struggling at centre-half. Like, and we already knew that, but, but last night, so you had Scott McKenna, which I thought was a strange substitution, bearing in mind Cooper had started in, in the first game. Uh, but regardless, so we had uh, McKenna and the other three centre-halves were a left-back and a midfielder. And that's that's where we're, that's where we're really lacking. And if you want to be harsh, uh, maybe even in, maybe even on the right, like I I, I love Stephen O'Donnell yep. and I thought, his, I thought his interview after the England game was fantastic. And I know Tony mentioned it previously, but... Like we're all very guilty of talking about players, and I suppose some of those comments. I'm not saying our comments. We get back to them, but but O'Donnell is aware of what Scotland fans kind of think of him. I suppose as, as a footballer, and I think most I think most Scotland fans like him uh, and and think he has a, a value and a place in the squad. But they probably wouldn't start him. Yes, he was fantastic at Wembley. I, I, I still. <laughs> I, I, I still, I, I still wouldn't start him for, for Scotland. Taking taking Wembley aside, I still yep. wouldn't start him. I, I think we have, I think we have better right backs available to us. And I think, I, I mean, our our kind of fluency and our attacking impetus generally comes down the left. And it would be good if we were able to change that uh, 
I mean, to be fair, Armstrong and, and O'Donnell did combine quite well on the right hand side for their goal, I, I suppose. So maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm, I'm doing them at the service, but but we need we need something we need something crisper. We need something more fluid down that right hand side from a, an attacking sense. And aye, that that was the kind of four areas where we where we ultimately lost it. Yeah, it always feels kind of feast or famine um, with the Donald. There seems to be no sort of middle ground in it in terms of the reaction to him more than anything else. The reaction to him after the England game, and I'm guilty of it as well. But it, it was probably a bit over the top for a guy who is he's Motherwell's right back. And again, I, I keep feeling that if you pick Motherwell's right back, you end up with Motherwell's right back, regardless yeah. of whether it's David O'Donnell or whoever else is it's going to be. That's that's what you that's the kind of performance you're going to get with that. And again, I, I do agree with you as well. There, there is no, there's not a defensive midfielder on the squad that isn't either got COVID or playing in central 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 defence as well. <laughs> McGregor McGregor is a McGregor is a fine player, but he just doesn't quite fit that role. Jack, I think, and I, I felt this before the tournament, and I've felt this for a while. I, to me, Jack feels like. The one of the first names in the team sheet for yep. Steve Clark. I think he looks at him and goes, "Yep, we we have you in front of the defence, and it allows the defence to get forward, allows McTominay and Tierney to go because Jack will be there. Jack will be sensible going forward. Jack and Gilmer could be a very very nice partnership in there as well. And in in amongst all the, the the negativity as well, and around kind of what I felt the squad, and I felt more than anything after the Czech game when everyone got very upset about the, the team selection there was a lot of chat about it. Steve Clark picks his mates and like you, you can't have it both ways you can't have a, a delight at how obviously together the squad are and the unity in which that brings and the support that they give each other to make themselves better players because that's how football teams work if you are happy you are playing with people that you respect and people that respect you then you play better it's the same as any other workplace Um you can't have it both ways and be delighted that Clark's done that and instilled that mentality and instilled that sense of what it, what the importance of being a Scotland player is and then expect him to be ruthless as well. And then you get to the check game and go, right, Dykes, you're out. O'Donnell, you're out. You're binned because actually we've just got better players now because that's not how that... You can't, you can't have delight at the unity and a desire for him to be ruthless. It's, it just To me, it just doesn't work like that. And I don't think Clark works like that either. He's going to look after these guys and support these guys. I think at the end of this tournament, we will be looking to move on. I think I think that's an entirely fair way to look at it as well. And I, th- I imagine that's how Clark looks at it as well in terms of you guys got us here. We respect that. We're delighted with that. You still have a place in the squad. But we now have a generation of guys coming through. And we have four or five guys in this team um, who you look at and go, well, that's, that's the next decade of Scotland internationals. You look at the midfield and you have... Ideally, a midfield which features Gilmer, McTominay, Turnbull. Um, Jack's a little bit older, obviously. McGregor's a little bit older. McGinn's a little bit older. You have Patterson at right back. You have another five or six years minimum of, of Robertson and Tierney, ideally, as well. And that's it's the nucleus of a very decent team. And it's not even just a, a case of... This is going to sound absolutely daft as well, um, but I do kind of feel that qualification to the Euros has been a bit of a distraction for Scotland more than anything else. I, it all felt a bit like it was dropped on Clark, even though obviously this is what he wants and this is what he, he wants to get is there and have us involved in it. It looks as much as building experience at this point for us. It does feel it has felt like a bit of a distraction. You felt that in the Nations League after we qualified as well. It all felt a bit like after the Lord Mayor's show when in reality. If Clark had had two years to build a squad, then I think the teams that had turned out of the Euros, if the Euros were in two years' time, it would be a different team. 
it would be a different way of looking at it. And I do think that he is, it doesn't feel like a short-term thing. It feels like a longer-term project for him in terms of building the squad and building the team. Not only, he's, he's done he's done the, the bit of bringing everyone together and creating a system. He's solved a lot of problems as well in terms of how do you fit in Robertson and Tierney? Well, this is how you fit in Robertson and Tierney. We have two genuine world-class quality players in there. And it doesn't feel like the way in which Michael O'Neill built Northern Ireland, which again, similarly is very impressive. And you make the very best of having 11 guys that will do whatever the fuck you tell them. Well, 10 guys that will do whatever the fuck you tell them and Kyle Lafferty who will do whatever he wants. <laughs> but you've got, it's not just a case of building a team that will get results. We have the opportunity here to build what is actually a good football team, a good collection of players. And that that's what I mean, the, it's the first time looking back to the England game as well. It's the first time in my lifetime that you look back and you look at their squad, you look at the England squad, and you look at our squad and go, there's two or three of our players that would get a game for England. And there are another couple who would comfortably be in the squad. That's never really happened in my lifetime. I I, I don't disagree with you. I think to, to take a, a glass half empty approach, I suppose my concern about Steve Clark and the Scotland team is. He's been in charge for a wee while now. Yep. And there has there been too many games where I've thought to myself, we've played really well there. So uh, the England game, the Serbia game, the Holland friendly. Uh, there's probably been another game in there somewhere. But in general, we haven't played, haven't played that well. We've, we've kind of, and, and in terms of the World Cup group so far, the draw against Israel, I wasn't that impressed with us against Austria. Aye, I, I appreciate what you're saying and that, yes, it feels like we have a much better squad and a much better, in fact, not even just a much better team, a much better squad, a squad of players that are capable. And I really like Steve Clark and under no circumstances am I advocating that we should be considering his position because I, I don't think that at all. But I, I do find myself getting more and more concerned that with every passing game, we seem to be flattened to deceive. Yeah, like this has been with, without without trying to be too knee jerk. This has been a pretty poor performance at this tournament. Yeah, and, and that's that that is all absolutely true as well. And I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think what I'm trying to get at is the games that come on from now. I would expect us to kick on. I would expect us to kick on from this. And that, as I say, it has all. F- the way in which it was delayed for a year as well and everything has been sort of kicked down the road for a little bit, it has felt like a very lengthy distraction from what is actually possibly a much more realistic target for Scotland in terms of getting to the World Cup in Qatar in, in 2022. And that's that's the one I would expect us to go to and that was the one that, that's, that's where I expect this team to do better. I mean, inevitably, I'm going to be fucking hideously disappointed. <laughs> but when Clark takes over, you're looking at him if you look at it in basis, well, you're looking at two or three years down the line in order to bring the squad together and develop it and start putting together a system and the way we're going to play. 2022 felt like a much more realistic target at the time. Going to the Euros is a bonus in the meantime. Um, and I do, I expect this to be much better. I think there will be a bit of a changeover. I think Patterson coming on in the last 10, 15 minutes to go, he needs to play games. As much as you can make as much noise about Nathan Patterson as you like. But if he is not playing 90 minutes week in, week out, if he is not playing 90 minutes at all, you can't pick him. It's, it's, for me, you pick guys that play games of football. He can be he can be good, bad, or indifferent for Scotland, but he, if he's not playing, 
week in, week out, then that's not he's not going to be the guy for us. Yes, I I agree. Again, I agree with that to a degree. Uh, but then you see somebody like uh, Yarmolenko for Ukraine. I, I don't know how many games he played for West Ham that season that finished there. I, I, he's barely played the last two years. But for Ukraine, he's, he's looked absolutely special. I, I think Parson probably, he has impressed enough for Rangers to to get minutes in, in the coming season. But as you say, if he is going to be sitting on the bench for Rangers for 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 the for the foreseeable, then it, it isn't the ideal. Yeah, yeah. What there, let's 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 do solely uh, class half full going forward. What positives are, are, are you going to take for, from it, Sean? Obviously, I mean, I think somebody like Grant Hanley throughout his Scotland career has been kind of not. He's, he's not someone that thrills people um, when he's in the squad. <laughs> Not some of the people. <laughs> However, I struggle to think of many Scotland centre-half performances more impressive than his at Wembley. Um, he was very good. McGregor, I kind of feel you know, I think there's now a greater understanding in terms of the role that he can play for Scotland. Um, Robertson and Tierney makes sense and it works. Adams, again, I think it had he had we another year with Adams playing games for Scotland, I think we would have got more out of him. It all felt a bit sort of tacked on at the end. Um, and he was absolutely, it was the right thing to do to call him up because he's better than any of us other centre-forward options. Yep. But it doesn't feel, it all felt a bit rushed and a bit hurried. It's like try, it's like waking up on a Saturday morning and deciding you're going to paint your house. Go and do it at B&Q. Go and do it at B&Q, just buying something and painting it because it's there. And then about three weeks later, you look at it and go, what the fuck have I done that for? Just... Why have I painted my house green? Yeah, why did I, I should have spent a bit of time and thought about this a little bit more and tried to figure out, I need, I need a plan here. I can't just do stuff. Um, it all just felt a bit rushed um, for me as well. But And then, as you say, Gilmore and Patterson um, are going to be the guys in the Scotland team, you would imagine, for the next decade. No, no, you're right. In, in terms of in terms of glass half full, what, what can I take for the tournament in terms of <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of positives? The fact that I have been buying the Grant Hanley drum for 10 <laughs> years since he made his Scotland debut. And at last, at last, yes, I may have been saying it out of out of devilment, but at last I've been I've been proven to be correct. His his performance at Wembley, he was a, a, a colossus. Now, who else have we got at the back? Tierney, great. Robertson, great. Patterson, potentially very good. Defensively, we seem pretty sound in there. If you yep. want to go into the middle of the park, Gilmar could be a, a genuinely fantastic player and a powerhouse for us for the next at least 10 years. So, so right away, we've got something to hang our hat on in there. I think Shea Adams is a, a, a decent striker, but we probably need... Ultimately, I think that's now where, for a while there, we're going about how we really needed a, a, a centre-half. I think midfield, Gilmer, we've already mentioned Jack, uh, McTominay in there. You know, so we might be set in there as well. If we can just find a striker somewhere in the world that has a Scottish granny, then we might actually be hunky-dory. <laughs> What a wonderfully positive way to look at it. Yeah, and, I, and I do agree with that as well. And I, I'll offer just a slight defence of Lyndon Dykes on this as well. And that I managed actually to dig out the, the, the stats on this, but I didn't have time because I've got a job. Um, <laughs> but 
I feel that Dykes won an awful lot. And I, I, again, this comes back to the the, ban- the the problem with the balance in midfield and that it, at no point, he was winning the ball with no one within 25 yards of him. And Aye. the performance against Serbia, for example, that he was, again, he was huge in, was because we were brave and because we got in there and because we got in around him and gave him support in there. And again, looking at, I realise it's a, it's a struggle for options. I don't feel that there's a, a better physical centre forward. If we're going to play the system we are going to play, it perhaps leans into the, the idea that you're talking about, the t- t- tactical and flexibility that we have at the moment. But if we're going to play like that, there needs to be someone to go and win things. And I think he's the guy that can go and win things for us. But it requires it requires Gilmore or it requires Jack to give McGinn and Armstrong the freedom or McGinn and whoever it is that's going to play alongside it, just give it to, or McGregor, to give them the freedom to get and support them because nobody... Particularly this, this game it exposed it more than more than any any of the other ones. And we just he had no support around them. Adams, again, I think the two of them could work as a pairing, but it just last night wasn't a night. They had they've had they've had fleeting moments that, that suggest that they might link up well. That there was a there was a point last night, I think reasonably early in the game where Dykes won a header and then Adams had the first time shot that was actually like it was deflected wide and we didn't get a corner. Yeah, but but that was probably about it in, in terms of the two of them linking up. I was I was critical of Dykes. I, I was critical of Dykes at the time, and that was probably a bit harsh because ultimately, I don't really see him as a target man, as in lump the ball to his head. Like I, I don't really think that's necessarily his his, his strength. And if you are asking him to do that, as you say, you then need players buzzing around him to to pick up his, his headers because he was winning headers which by the looks of things is what we were asking him to do I don't necessarily think that's his strength but the problem with Dykes is he's never been a goal scorer yep. so he isn't somebody that's going to score one in three for Scotland that's just not going to happen but I also don't necessarily see him as an ideal target man either So and that's kind of what we were asking him to do so if he, can't, yep. if he isn't a target man and he isn't a goal scorer then, then what is he? But, but that isn't necessarily Dyke's fault because that's ultimately we were asking him to be a target man. And I think I think what was frustrating me again last night against Croatia more than anything else is that, and again, this isn't Dyke's fault, I almost felt like we were taking the easy option. And the easy yeah. option was there's a big tall guy up front, we'll blue it to his head. Yeah. And, and that, that, that I don't think that's ever going to get the best out of us because I do actually think we now have reasonably decent technical footballers that probably... If you keep the ball in the deck, that's probably where we're at our strengths. So again, that isn't the Dyke's fault. So I was maybe a bit harsh when I was being critical of him, but I ultimately it, it didn't work. I mean, that was driving me nuts last night as well because the the points in which we got the ball and played the ball, it was the the sort of bursting run that McTominay made from centre half, and again, just highlighting that's what he's there for and that's why he plays in that role. His, his defensive deficiencies, I think, we're all well aware of at this point as well, and it's going to be a struggle, but because of the nation we are and because of the players we have available, you're going to have to make some sort of trade-off somewhere around the pitch. And that's, if that's a trade-off we're going to make, that him getting forward, it was the one-two, him busting at the box, I think it was Adams, or perhaps one of the centre forward, just slightly overhit the pass and just skidded past him as well. And it, it was things like that, the moments where we did actually go, do you know what, let's just, let's just play the game. They'll play the ball down. And again, when you're looking at... It led to the frustration last night as well. When you're looking at like, Luka Modric, as wonderfully conditioned as he is, as wonderful a footballer as he is, he's 
fucking 35 years old, make him run around, make him move around, make him chase things down and make him do things for his team, which he doesn't want to do. No one else in that. If we make them move around, then that's going to tire him out, which means he's going to not have the time to charge onto the edge of the box to find himself in five yards of space, to clip one at the corner and keep the ball and move the things around. And that's, I really feel, I, I totally agree. I, we just, I felt that like we didn't do that at any point last night in terms of, or the, the, didn't do it nearly enough. And the points that we did, we looked like a, a threat and we looked like we were dangerous to them. And that's what the goal came from as well, which was just people getting into the box. It was causing a bit of chaos there and moving the ball, which gave McGregor the space to last one in, which, Again, I know it was mentioned in the, the ITV4 coverage as well, particularly through McCoy's, but McGregor's first touch with his left foot was absolutely sensational. Just to pop it off his uh, a last clearance on his left foot, he just popped it on his right to lump it into the corner. And as soon as the ball popped out, all I could think of was please let immediate my immediate thought was please let McGregor be there. Because I don't trust <laughs> I don't trust anyone else to hit one in. Um, but if McGregor's there, he'll put it in the corner. Just let him be there in that moment. And he was and Fifth player, it was a smashing goal. Well, aye, no, no, it was, and I was going, I was, I was going do lally, and <laughs> uh, and my pal's gazebo. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, uh, see, in terms of, see, in terms of a halftime interval, were you surprised that we didn't change it? And do you think he would have changed something if we hadn't equalised? Because ultimately, other than the first ten minutes, where I thought we pressed them and cajoled them and kind of looked like it was going to be a reasonably even game. Other than the first 10 minutes in the first half, and maybe the last five minutes of the first half, we never really got close to them. See, everything in between, everything sandwiched in between, they dictated everything. And I thought, right, we, we'll have to do something here. We'll have to change something, whether it's personnel, whether it's the, the, the system. And I, I suppose the fact that we've just equalised, now we think, right, well, actually, that's, that's fine. We've, we've, we've got momentum here. We'll just leave as is. And maybe we can kick on. But really, like right for the word go in the second half, there are a couple of one on ones, one on ones that, that Marshall did well to save. Uh, and, I, and I'm not saying I'm not saying equalising was necessarily bad for us in terms of not changing something. <laughs> score, at, at score, scoring, scoring goals is bad, actually. But even <laughs> but even when we equalise, I still thought we we've been a real second best here. We've we've been a long way behind Croatia, and we still need to change something like like I still didn't really feel it was working and I was kind of surprised it didn't change anything at the start of the second half yeah I was I was quite surprised at that certainly I'm I'm still not entirely sure what and this is kind of throughout the tournament I'm not entirely sure everyone else I can see what they're bringing to the party Stuart Armstrong I'm still not entirely sure what he's bringing to a Scotland midfield and it for a guy that I think all of us, certainly at his time at Celtic, absolutely adored, thought he was going to be the guy for Scotland for the next few years. And the way in which Scotland played at the time, it always felt like he was going to offer something there. Now, I'm just not really... He certainly doesn't fit in a midfield three for us. He's not offering enough defensively. He's not offering enough offensively. And I, I, again, he'll, I kind of feel everyone performed to do exactly what they were asked to do. And that's... I've, whether that's a coaching fault or that's just not really recognising what's going on there but I do agree um, when you were saying earlier about perhaps Fleck was the guy to be in there as well but throughout the game we just never felt that we were close to controlling the midfield never felt that we were anywhere near that and McGinn you always keep on because McGinn 
obviously not in this tournament, but you always feel that McGinn is a goal threat. And we saw that as well with the, the, the long cross that came in from Robertson, which achingly had he gone on his right, it's straight on goal or a penalty, one or the other. But so lashes at it, he's left because he's left footed and that's what he's going to do. Um, you always keep him on. McGregor's the guy that's going to like, is going to be sort of the glue in there as well. Armstrong, I'm just not totally sure what he was bringing there. And I, I do think I, I was surprised at half time as well because it felt that we kind of got ourselves got away with it more than anything else. The goal wasn't an indication of an extended period of pressure from us, and actually, we've turned the game by that. We've, we've imposed our game on the first 45 minutes in the second half, I kind of felt like right, we got away with one, so we need to look at how we change it in the second half, and it felt sluggish to do that, and it, that kind of, that was something that's kind of, as you say, the England game will discount, but the first game and the third game, everything felt just a wee bit sluggish to react to what was going on in front of us, but again, it comes back to the idea of, can you be ruthless and just hook guys off? If that's what, if that's the manager you are, then that's fine, if that's the if the if the squad respects that and understands that, then fine. But it's just not the way that Clark's manages today. I did. I mean, the thing about Armstrong, what watching back the England game, I I, I don't really remember about the last five or ten minutes of the England game, uh, which is which is typical of somebody that, that falls into a hedge uh, immediately <laughs> after. The game. But watching watching back the England game the day after, uh, Armstrong attempting to dribble dribble his way out of that stromash in the final couple of minutes. What the fuck are you up to? I, uh, sw- I swear, I said to you yesterday. I swear, I thought my heart was going <laughs> to stop because as soon as it, as soon as I like by this point, I've watched ninety minutes of this game. My heart is already beating like thumping out of my chest, and there's a stromash in the box, and you just see Armstrong going in to come and collect it. And as soon as he goes and collects it, like what the fuck are you doing? I can, it's fucking. He's done it again. It's happened again because all I wanted was. This, the Stuart Armstrong redemption arc from the last time we played them felt like a great story in it. And then the fact that it was almost not a redemption, but actually he's learned fuck all and he's fucking done it again. I swear, honestly, I nearly fell off my seat. It was just, it was way too much for it at that moment in time. And and in terms of Armstrong, I'm starting to feel so so I don't I don't watch a lot of live English football, right? But I, I think in terms of what we are asking from him in a Scotland shirt and where we're playing him in a Scotland shirt isn't where he thrives or, or, or what he wants yeah. to do or, or where he's best suited and I, and I am starting to feel a wee bit like when it comes to Stuart Armstrong a wee bit like Charlie Adam so when I used to watch Charlie Adam on Match of the Day for Blackpool he was involved in every single good thing that they did and, and therefore I presumed that Charlie Adam was exceptional but actually I, I was just watching him in like 250 seconds of Blackpool, Blackpool footage and Armstrong is a wee bit like that for Southampton so I'll watch Southampton match a day and I'm like fuck me Armstrong is a brilliant <laughs> footballer and we could we could really build a team around him and then I watch him for 90 minutes for Scotland and again he flatters to deceive however I do think that may be down to we play a completely different system to Southampton and we don't have the position available to him where he needs to play and wants to play and where he can necessarily impress. Yeah, fully agree with that. Well, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what we've how much we've actually spoken about the game there. Um, more <laughs> than anything else. Nothing, but that's fine. Do you, do you know what was the, do you know what was the most disappointing aspect of yesterday? So so Graham, you know me. I am not very good with uh computers or uh or, or adding things to pictures. 
even to the degree that I have sent you pictures to add text to. Yes. So yesterday, uh, so I'm on holiday this week, so I've got a wee bit of free time. Not much, but a wee bit. Uh, so I downloaded an app onto my phone where I could add text to pictures. And it, it cost me £2.79. And uh, I'd used the picture of Sammy and Tammy getting kicked in the face by a gigantic swan. And the Sammy and Tammy was glorious failure. And the gigantic swan was Scotland. And I was primed and ready to go as soon as we qualified for the knockout stages and uh, this this picture will never see the light of day. And it took me it took me about fifty minutes and cost me two pounds seventy nine. Sean, I made twenty three gold graphics. Got to use one of them. <laughs> Got to use a single one of them. Um, yeah, I just realised earlier on I said we scored two goals. We scored one fucking goal. Um, I will have scored one. I, I was I was going to pick one. you up, but yeah, no. But I'm glad you've noticed it yourself. Yeah, no, I made twenty three. Goal scorer graphic, goal scorer videos. Got to use one of them, single one. I may just post that's, them all. That, that's the biggest negative of this tournament, isn't it? The the, the lack of the lack of goal uh, gifts that you can use, and my my big swan picture. Yeah, 20, 23 of them, twenty two of which will never see the light of day. I might just throw <laughs> them in the group chat just to prove that it was done, <laughs> just to highlight that. Actually, I did actually do some work for this. Just. Um, I'll just go back to, to posting pictures of Yordi Tyson. I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs> Nonetheless, I think we'll round it off with that. Discussing, ah, discussing uh, Sunday's centre forward who couldn't fucking score and swans battering um, animals that haven't really been defined. I think that's probably the, the high oh, point. Ends. Is he? Aye. Are you sure? Like Again, this is something that has come up a few times. Like, what, what, else, what, what else can he possibly be? He's not I a dog. Know. He's not an otter. He's not a beaver. He's a bear. He's a tammy, though. A tammy isn't an animal. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not, is it? <laughs> yes, it's, it's a bear. <laughs> but is he a... Why isn't he... Why isn't he like, Sammy the bear? Because it just, just because it doesn't rhyme. Why isn't he Brian the bear? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a salient point. He's, I'm he's allegedly a bear, but I don't, I don't know if there's any clarity. I might tweet them further and ask for clarity in terms of what animal Sammy is. Is Sammy a bear? Um, anyone, if anyone's listening, please uh, send it into PO Box 4587 uh, Motherwell, whatever a fucking PO Box is. <laughs> right, well, this is really things are at hand now. So thank you very much for your time today, Sean. No, thank um, you. We can, we can all go back to just hoping England don't fucking win it. Please. Yep. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.